So as a consequence, they've drawn up maps that favor them. Um, and now we're headed to the courts, which is where we always end up with such things. You know, these are the first lines drawn since the Voting Rights Act no longer applied to um, Alabama in terms of pre-clearance uh, for approval of such things. Um, the maps, as I've seen them, are drawn, I believe, along partisan lines, and that translates into being uh, largely also drawn based on racial lines um, in order to maximize the effect of uh, Republican control. And anybody that's surprised by that hadn't been paying attention for the last 30 or 40 years. Welcome in, boys and girls. It is uh, this one. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't promise you this one's going to be the greatest show ever um, because I'm, I'm doing it by myself. And, and most of the time, when I tell you that uh, this is going to be the greatest show, it's because I, I feel like David's going to pick up the slack um, and, and really carry through and, and bring it across the finish line. But uh, David's out this week. Uh, he didn't quit or anything. He's not mad at me. I don't think. Uh, but uh, he is uh, on assignment somewhere, if I'm not mistaken, uh, doing doing some work in Montgomery. And, uh, you know, listen, he had more important people. And that's that's perfectly understandable. He had more important people to uh, to deal with. And uh, and I get that. But we're we are uh, we're going to have a good interview. Uh, it's be a shorter show, but we're going to have a good interview. Barry Ragsdale uh, is going to uh, join us uh, here in just a few minutes and uh, and talk about uh, the redistricting process that's going on from a legal standpoint. Uh, he's not involved in those lawsuits, but he's at least going to talk about it um, and, and give his his thoughts on that. And uh, and also the ADP lawsuits, which he is uh, a part of. Uh, he is the, the attorney representing uh, the party in, in those lawsuits that have been filed, uh, the current ongoing one at the federal level uh, that was filed by the ADC um, that uh, challenges the takeover or the, the changing of bylaws uh, that they say violates a federal uh, order uh, that from the 80s that basically required that the party maintain a certain percentage of, uh, of black uh, members of the SDEC. Uh, and now, um, you know, that their basically their argument at this point is that it also removes power from the ADC itself. And uh, that's the, the argument they're trying to cut. They're trying to go with now at this point, because I don't think the other arguments are working out so well, but so we're going to talk to Barry for a while about that. And he'll have some, some pretty good insight. Um, you know, it's hard. I'll tell you, it's, it's very hard to do a show that you've been doing for a while. I used to do this on radio a lot. Um, it's hard when you get accustomed to talking to somebody to then start, to then do it by yourself and to just not have somebody to bounce things off of. Cause you get, it's such a rhythm of conversation uh, with a show. And I think that's what we, we have on the show is, is David and I often have basically a conversation uh, and we kind of, you know, limit it as much as we can to, to topics and things, but it's, it's essentially just David and I talking about things. And, um, and I, I also think that that's why a lot of people like it. Nobody wants to just hear me jabber on for endlessly. And you're not going to hear that today. I'm not, we're not, I'm not, I'm not doing 20 minutes of me just talking on this damn thing here, or it's hard to do a monologue without a laugh track. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to just stand there and, not, and to not get any feedback from, from anybody, you know, when, you know, you say something and you're expecting somebody to chuckle uh, and they're, 
there's no chuckle. Uh, it's just, and you're like, you know, not that I'm going to say anything necessarily funny, or maybe maybe we could just do it the unintentionally funny stuff. Um, but uh, you know, just to kind of catch you up on the on the week's happenings, uh, there there is redistricting taking place at our legislature. They are they have passed uh, most of the maps at this point. Uh, it's just we, we do this on Thursday morning, so I believe Ivy has signed all three uh, of the state maps, and um, so or, or all four. Uh, of the state maps. Um, and so we are uh, now we're going, we're headed to court. So uh, that's, that's where, you know, we all knew that's where it was going to end up. Uh, it was just a matter of who was going to do the suing. And uh, so it's, you know, they're, they're gerrymandered all to hell and back. Um, and they basically maintain a Republican supermajority. And you can't, here, here's the bottom line. They're, they're probably not going to win in court. The Democrats are not going to win in court uh, because, you know, they basically ruled that you can politically gerrymander maps and uh, that's the courts are not going to get involved in that. There may be an argument based on race. We'll see. We'll talk to Barry about that. Uh, but you're, you're, they're probably not going to win in court. And so you're going to end up with maps that maintain a Republican supermajority. Uh, yet the vote in statewide and national races are going to reflect something that is far less than a supermajority of Republicans. Uh, you know, even uh, in some of the in some of the worst defeats for Democrats, uh, Walt Maddox gets talked about a lot. Sixty forty. You know, it was sixty forty uh, in that race. Uh, you know, same thing with Tuberville and, and Doug Jones. Sixty forty. Um, so. You know, we don't have maps that represent that. We don't have maps that represent 6040. We don't have maps that accurately represent counties uh, and the way that they voted uh, in, in those races. Uh, we don't have maps that represent whole counties. We got some of them divided up five ways. Uh, Tuscaloosa uh, has got uh, has got three senators up there and two of them don't live in the in the damn district uh, so, or in the in the county. Uh, so it's uh, it's. That's the sort of thing that I think are, are a problem. And that's why, you know, I thought uh, all along to stop letting Democrats and stop letting Republicans do this and start letting a just base it on computers. Uh, let the computers draw the things up. Let a committee get involved in that, a nonpartisan committee based on, uh, you know, made up of hell, you know, professors and uh, and other people out that, that are above this nonsense that aren't going to be elected and, and they're not fighting for their own districts and uh, and things like that. They're not fighting for their own jobs. Uh, let those folks decide what's fair and have it accurately represent the population, uh, uh, the racial makeup of the of the state and, and of the districts. Uh, let it let those people do this. And take it away from the people who have a vested interest in what the outcome is. But eh, we'll see. Uh, nobody's going to actually do that because that would require the, the people in power giving up some power. Uh, and because they know full well that some of those folks would not be reelected and they wouldn't be able to maintain the supermajority and do whatever in the hell they want to do. They'd have to actually start talking to Democrats again. And God knows we don't want that. So, you know, that's where we're left with. But uh, we're, we're going to... Uh, we're going to get Barry on here in just a minute, uh, and then after we talk to him, we'll come on. We'll wrap this thing up, and we'll all get the hell out of here and have a nice weekend. Uh, so we'll be back in a minute. Barry Ragsdale, Alabama Politics This Week. The power brokers that determine who gets the shiny campaign set up and who doesn't um, is kind of an old boys club, and we didn't want to have to turn those clients away because they couldn't afford 
the big consultant minimums to hire a pricey consulting firm. So we created Turn It Blue Digital to give down ballot candidates an option um, and give them a way to look like they know what they're doing, even if they don't always feel like they do. Well, uh, talk about uh, some of the options. Like, uh, give, give people an example of, of what you could do. If, if they wanted to run for, you know, the county commission or they wanted to run for, for, you know, a state house seat. Right. So the first thing we would do is um, get them started with a launch kit. So this is everything a candidate needs to look um, professional online, to have everything set up and running smoothly. Um, one of my other favorite projects we've been working on, we just rebuilt this platform from the ground up, um, is a ad buying platform. So you can go in in 15 minutes for $500 and run your own display ads, run your own video ads, um, and even run your connected TV. Um, so your Peacock, your Hulu, that kind of stuff. How do people get in touch with you? How do, how do they find out what you're all about and, and see the pricing and get signed up? Yep. So we are at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, you can tweet me SC Clayton five. Um, you can email me Beth at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, but turnitbluedigital.com is the best way to, to submit that inquiry form and get started. All righty. Welcome in, back in, uh, I should say, to uh, Alabama politics this week. Uh, Josh Moon still 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 missing David. Um, so, uh, but. Uh, I, I am happy to be joined now uh, by attorney Barry Ragsdale, who uh, you, you've probably seen his name around, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, ADP lawsuits that have gone on. Uh, Barry's been deeply involved in those things and, uh, and representing the party and or at least uh, some folks involved with the party. Um, and so it, it's it's nice to have you on, Barry, because uh, you, you're going to add some some intellect that's missing since David's not here. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Well, I guess, uh, first of all, uh, I wanted to get into one of the, the main reason I wanted to have you on is because I wanted to talk about the, the, the biggest topic that's occurring right now is the redistricting process. And um, I guess maybe the easiest way for us to get into it is uh, you've seen you've been following what's going on. Uh, just your your thoughts at this point about the process, how it's being played out and, and what you think might happen uh, in, in the very near future. Well, I, I think the process that we've seen, you know, going on right now in Montgomery is the process that you get when you are a one party state. Um, and frankly, I, it would be the mirror image if Democrats were still in charge, Frank, I, I believe, frankly, mm -hmm. um, uh, the party in power does not relinquish power voluntarily. Right. Um, and so as a consequence, they've drawn up maps that favor them um, and. Now we're headed to the courts, which is where we always end up with such things. You know, we, we have, uh, you know, these are the first lines drawn since the Voting Rights Act no longer applied to um, Alabama in terms of preclearance uh, for approval of such things. Um, the maps, as I've seen them, are drawn, I believe, along partisan lines, and mm -hmm. that translates into being uh, largely also drawn based on racial lines um, in order to maximize the effect of uh, Republican control. And anybody that's surprised by that hadn't been paying attention for the last 30 or 40 years. Right. Yeah. You know, I hear that argument a lot uh, from people, uh, which is, you know, well, the Democrats drew them the same way as we're drawing them now. Uh, and, and, you know, it's it's a pretty hollow argument because, number one, I don't want either side to draw. them. I, I want uh, there to be a commission to draw. them. Uh, but, you know, in, in addition to that, uh, you know, a lot of the Dem uh, the folks that were Democrats in the old days are now Republicans. Uh, exactly. And, you know, uh, so yeah. it's basically the same people, you know, drawing them. 
you're absolutely correct. And, and maybe the problem is the people, not the party, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent that you really need to try to figure out a way to take the politicians whose very power relies on where they draw those lines out of the process and create an independent commission. You know, the problem with that is again, the party in power is not going to agree to that because they like exercising the power. Right. Um, you're absolutely right. The process ought to be one where, you know, the people pick their politicians, not the politicians pick their people. And what you have now is a situation where it's calculated to maintain the strength and power of those that control it. And that's not healthy for voters or for democracy. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So and I want you to uh, I'm, I'm going to say this and then you tell me if I'm, I'm right or I'm wrong, uh, because keep in mind, I, I only play an attorney uh, on, on this podcast. And so uh, since you are an actual one, you can you can correct me here. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, drawing these lines uh, with a partisan advantage is not in and of itself. Uh, I guess illegal or against the law, the uh, the courts have ruled, and the really the only avenue uh, for correcting any of this would be uh, to make an argument based on race. Is that right? I think that's correct. I think the law as it stands right now has approved, you know, drawing gerrymandering districts purely on political grounds. Um, but if those same lines have a disparate impact on minorities, particularly racial minorities then they are subject to challenge. And, you know, the, the problem with that argument that this is just done for partisan reasons is in a state like Alabama, it is impossible to separate the right. partisan lines from racial lines um, simply because, you know, the Alabama Democratic Party is the majority minority party. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, African-Americans in Alabama overwhelmingly vote Democratic. So, you know, to say we're drawing the lines in the Black Belt or in Montgomery or in Birmingham purely for partisan reasons ignores the reality on the ground. Yeah, it's you know, I've, I've wondered a lot of times, uh, you know, if if things would be different in this state, if uh, if it wasn't so easy to identify a Democrat. Uh, you know, um, you know, if if we could convince some some other folks who look like us to be Democrats, uh, Correct. you know, and uh, it's just as um, I, I don't know. I don't know where uh, where exactly the the state. I mean, I have some ideas, obviously, uh, the, the racial issues uh, of the past uh, have, have led to this. But, you know, there used to be uh, quite a few uh, more at least reasonable people. I mean, I, they were they were conservatives, but there were a lot of, of white people who identified as Democrats, uh, even up in, you know, to the to the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, you know, there were there were still a lot of people that did that. And I don't know where where that got lost. Well, at some point, we as a party, and I don't speak for the Alabama Democratic Party or any other Democratic Party, but but I am a Democrat. And, uh, you know, at some point we lost the connection with working white people and mm -hmm. we lost them as an important coalition that was part of what got Democrats elected. And we've just not done a very good job of reaching out, particularly in Alabama. I think that's slowly changing and yeah. I think it will be better. And it's like anything else. It's a pendulum. I think it will swing back. Um, and, it, and at some point, I do believe that, um, you know, poor middle class and even, you know, upper middle class whites are going to recognize that there are advantages uh, to not only democratic policy, but probably more importantly, a two party system. 
when the parties yeah. have to compete against each other um, if for votes, as opposed to just assume that they will win a district or win a race or whatever, um, it it creates better policy. It creates policy that's more attuned to voters' needs than what we have right now. But that is a slow process and one that is inherently tinged with racial motives. Yeah, yeah, it's a it, it is a shame, I, you know, and, I, and that's what I have said for a while, too, is that, you know, they've got to start targeting uh, the the working class folks out there and make it a working class issue and not an issue of race uh, necessarily, but of, of, you know, addressing issues that, that people are are talking about at, at, you know, at dinner, at their house, at, at barbecues and things like that. And, um, you know, and until I think until, and, and a focus on unions wouldn't be a bad idea either, you know, absolutely. That's no. just me. You know, I, I, lo- I love a good union. Uh, so uh, but it's you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what uh, what got lost in there uh, other than a lot of things got lost along the way. Um, and, and that kind of gets us into the other other topic uh, here, which is the the lawsuits that are <laughs> to everyone's surprise, I guess, uh, still going on uh, within the Alabama Democratic Party. Um, where where do things stand right now with those? OK, well, there there is one remaining lawsuit. And let me say, I may be the only person in the world, but I'm not surprised uh, that this lawsuit got filed or that it's still going. Um, The folks on the other side that 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 operate and have maintained control of a faction of the Democratic Party, um, you know, frankly, just like the the governing Republican Party are were not willing to voluntarily relinquish power. We had to you know, frankly, take it away from them and 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 that they are not giving up. So they've gone to federal court. The case has been pending for some time in front of uh, a federal judge there in uh, Montgomery, a fine federal judge, frankly, in my opinion, um, who is right now considering whether to dismiss their lawsuit. Um, Mm -hmm. The first stage procedurally, um, as you know, in litigation, nothing moves fast. Um, But the first stage was the judge had to decide whether to allow them to intervene in the old 1989 lawsuit that got filed uh, with good cause, frankly, at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we're, they were allowed to intervene, but then we pointed out that nothing that the Alabama Democratic Party had done in adopting and modernizing and reforming its bylaws violated any aspect of that old 1991 consent decree. And that is the issue that's in front of Judge Huffaker right now. Um, We only finished briefing it um, a couple of weeks ago. So um, we expect to hear from him. Um, I would expect to hear from him certainly before the end of the year um, on whether or not that case is dismissed or not. Um, obviously, uh, since I asked for it to be dismissed, I think it's due to be dismissed. Um, but that is the next procedural <laughs> step. Um, sometimes, sometimes, Josh, I, I, uh, I recognize that I'm, I'm not always due to win, but uh, this is this is not one of those cases. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, well, it kind of yeah, brings me back. You know, somebody will, will uh, inevitably at times say, well, you think you're always right. And I always think, well, hell, I wouldn't say something if I thought it was wrong. You know, I mean, I wouldn't make an argument if I thought the thing was wrong. But exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I guess to to kind of drill down into that just a little bit, so that and sure. I'll tell you why I I'm not necessarily surprised that this was filed because I've I've known Joe Reed for a long time, uh, and and love him or hate him, the man will fight to the death over what Absolutely. what he wants and what he thinks is right. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I wasn't surprised by the filing of it. I was surprised that we're still going on, and that and that there was this gap 
uh, in between. It seemed like that there was a gap between the litigation, and I don't know what that was all about. But, um, you know, but that it's still going on because you look at what the argument is, and, and the argument is essentially, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that uh, this dilutes the black vote within the party, uh, which was part of that, uh, that earlier decree. Um, that 80, 89 or whatever decree or sure. whatever year that was, um, that they had to maintain a certain percentage of black voters within the party. And, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't the black vote percentage increase by, by the bylaws changes? Well, it, it actually stayed exactly the same. Um, okay. and, and, you know, it not only stayed the same, we elected our first ever black chairperson, um, right. in Chris England and, the only percentage of members of the SDC, SDEC that went down were white people. Um, so they've, I, I will say that was the original argument. I, mm-hmm. I would not be a good advocate if I didn't point out that there actually is no requirement in that consent decree that uh, black percentages stay at a certain level, except for the requirement that was already in place that says the percentage of black members of the SDEC has to be at least equal to the percentage of African-Americans who voted in the Democratic primary. Right. Um, and, and that is the requirement that has not changed, which is included within the new reformed bylaws and, and is never going to change. That, that is, I think, uh, you know, is, is an important legacy of that lawsuit. Um, but nobody sought to change that. And in fact, the new bylaws make it clear that that percentage has to say the same, which it has. It's actually the percentage of black members of the SDEC is slightly above the percentage of black voters in the Democratic primary. And I think it will always stay that way. Um, but I will tell you, their argument in the lawsuit has changed because they had to confront the facts that it didn't dilute black membership of the SDEC and, right. in fact, sought to preserve it as a majority of the members. So now their argument, frankly, is just that it diluted the power of the Alabama Democratic Conference. Um, and that's, that's a, that's a tougher argument to try to sell. Yeah. Uh, I think it's being honest. I think that's really what the lawsuit is about. Sure. It, sure. It's, it's really not about black versus white Democrats. It's a fight to maintain Joe Reed's stranglehold on the, uh, Alabama democratic party. And I think we've moved beyond that. And more importantly, I don't think it's the basis, uh, for a federal lawsuit claiming somehow that it's discriminatory against African-Americans. Yeah, you know, and the the new bylaws. I don't, I don't really understand why why anybody thought that that could be an argument. I mean, number one, they come straight from the you know the the party. You know, they come straight yes. from the national party, and uh, and and it really just expands the the definition of minority uh, to include other minorities that uh, than blacks. Uh, you know, and and I think we can all agree that that is reality at this point. So. I don't, you know, I've never really understood the the whole. Uh, other than obviously the uh, the the one person uh, wants to maintain control thing, I, I get that. But uh, you know, the other people that are fighting for it, I, I don't understand that. I, th- those folks, that's wh- who I don't understand. Well, and and I will tell you, I think there has been uh, a lot of misinformation spread by uh, that particular faction about what this was really about, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it was easy to point fingers at Senator Doug Jones and yeah. the head of the DNC. And, you know, I, I, I will tell you that everybody that I've talked to, black or white Democrat, that 
you know, asked me about the lawsuit and about this when I explained to them uh, what was actually done and what really occurred with the changes in the bylaws and how they were necessary not only to bring the party into the 21st century, but frankly, to keep us in a line with national democratic uh, policies of the DNC. Um, I've, I've yet to find anybody who still clung on to the claim that this somehow was racially motivated to dilute the effect of black Democrats, because because, frankly, it just doesn't stand up to the facts. Yeah. And, you know, the the other thing that's always confused me in here is, I mean, it was a mess, man. I mean, the party was a mess. No matter what side of this you fall on in this lawsuit, I don't care what side you fall on. There is no denying. If there is somebody who would stand up in front of you and tell you that that party was not in a in, in a, just an absolute wreck, um, you know, a, a few years ago, and it's gotten better over the last few years. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the the DNC had cut off the money uh, that was flowing to the party. The, the there were no employees. Uh, there, I mean, you, you couldn't get uh, there. Were, I mean, there were all of these things taking place there that were just. I mean, we were, we were losing races left and right. There was infighting constantly among people. Who is who's on the other side of this? I don't understand the argument that we want to we want to keep this status quo. Well, again, I think it's important to put it in perspective. It is a faction of the party, and it is a faction of the party that has held power for decades, um, led by Dr. Reed. And I, and I will say there are a few people in the world I have more respect for than Dr. Reed, what mm-hmm. he has done, what he accomplished. Um, his legacy is well established. But I will say that I think his view of what he thought the Alabama Democratic Party needed to be had become narrowed over the years. Um, I'm not sure it extended much beyond the uh, county boundaries of Montgomery County. Um, right. And and so as a consequence, it's that's really what it's about. There, there can be no argument that the party was desperately in need of reforming, was def- desperately in need of modernizing. You know, one of the biggest problems we ran into is people were not willing to contribute to the party so long as they thought that money was going to be used by Dr. Reed for reasons that were not necessarily beneficial to all Democrats in Alabama. Right. And so as a consequence, it was very difficult to raise money. It was very difficult to figure out how the party was running. Um, we had an ineffective uh, executive director. We had an ineffective uh, chairman. And those things had to change. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I will say, you know, he gets blamed by one side, but the fact that uh, Doug Jones, um, who is a friend of mine, but but used his influence when he had it, that that mm-hmm. brief window in which uh, we had a cogent, uh, well-spoken, intelligent <laughs> United States senator. Yeah. Um, but but he used that influence to do something that benefited everybody in the state, yeah. frankly, but particularly the state party by by getting the national party to finally pay attention. And yeah. when he did that, it was apparent that the bylaws that we had were archaic, they were unworkable, um, and they, you know, made sure that power never could be wrested away from the faction that had controlled the party and left it in such disarray. Yeah, you know, I I told, uh, I told Doug when this was going on, uh, that, you know, it's, he may win or lose because at that point in time he he not it was not up for re-election at that you know was coming up but sure. uh, they weren't going through the campaign. I said you know no matter whether you win or lose, what you've done here with the party will be a lasting thing 
um, that that I think will ultimately help the state of Alabama uh, for generations to come. Because I do think, like you, that, that this pendulum will swing back, um, at, at least to some degree, and we can create some sort of a viable second party uh, in this state, uh, which is desperately, desperately needed to stop this run to the fringe that's out there. Um, uh, you know, and... And I'll tell you, I, I also believe that I that the Joe Reed faction, uh, the DNC uh, folks, I think they are desperately needed to aid in that. Oh, there, there is no doubt. We cannot move forward as a party with this division going on, which is which is really the harmful legacy in my mind of these lawsuits, um, particularly mm-hmm. the way they were maintained, um, because we've got to figure out a way to come together. And as a party stand forward, and that has to include uh, Joe Reed and his supporters and people involved in the ADC. Um, but it also has to involve everybody else. I mean, that yeah. part of the problem is we were ineffective as a party when the ADC completely controlled everything to the exclusion of other voices. And we will be ineffective unless we're able to bring the ADC back into the fold. So I look forward, frankly, to this lawsuit being resolved as soon as possible. Because then I think we can start reconciliation, power sharing, and everything else that's required uh, to be an effective state party. Yeah, you know, I, I think if you look at Georgia kind of as an example of things, um, and, and then you look back at that at Doug's race in uh, 2017 against Roy Moore, and you see what was done with uh, the, the success of uh, the grassroots black vote. Uh, yes. There, especially black women, um, and and you realize uh, kind of what took place in Georgia and in the suburbs around Atlanta. Um, and, you know I, that to me is, uh, I mean, you know, if we can, if you can have that sort of effect that they had during during that race in 2017, and do it in those suburbs, all of a sudden you you do start to change a lot of things because you know the, your big cities in Alabama. While we don't have an Atlanta, uh, you know, we do have a Huntsville, we do have a Birmingham, and we do have a Montgomery. Uh, and it does, you know, I think maybe the combination of those three could start to change some things. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and as I said, it is, you know, it is something that requires the party to come together and it requires us to recognize that we have way more in common and our goals are uh, much more shared than we have differences and, and different approaches. And, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic about the future. I have I have children, not not as young as your children. My children are are grown or at least older. Right. Um, and they, uh, you know, I, 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 I try desperately to encourage them to stay in this state and to, you know, make a career here, make a family here. And, you know, one of the things I say is I'm optimistic about the future. I think it's getting better. I think uh, things will improve. They seem to be terrible right now, uh, obviously, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I also think that when the party in power overreaches, as the Republican Party in Alabama tends to do every day, mm-hmm. um, you start to, you know, moderate voters start to see that maybe that's not where they want to be. And you start to see more and more people start looking for an alternative. And I believe as long as we're positioned to move forward as a unified party, we can take advantage of that. Yeah, you know, the going back to our first topic, the, those those maps hurt. Uh, yes. Obviously, in in that regard, um, you know, and and one thing I didn't ask you, know, that I want to is, do, do you think? What do you think the odds are that they there can be some success 
uh, with, with the lawsuits that are one's already been filed. Uh, there's some, obviously some more that are coming or they'll add to that one. Um, what do you do you think that there can be some success uh, in court at getting some of these things rectified? Yes. I mean, it, it is an uphill battle. Um, I will say, uh, you know, first of all, as I said, I'm not involved in any of that litigation other than as an right. observer. Um, but I know that there are a lot of brilliant lawyers that are working on it and that have looked at the issue and have been fighting this fight for a long time. It is an uphill battle for a couple of reasons. One, the dilution of the Voting Rights Act and its effect, um, but also the fact that you have a federal judiciary now that's much more conservative and much more uh, with a jaundiced view, I think, of such claims. But I think there are some very salient claims that are being brought. There's simply, for example, no reason for counties to get divided up into five different uh, districts. You know, I mean, there was a time where we honored and observed and the courts have recognized you should honor and observe county lines so Mm -hmm. that neighbors living next door to each other aren't represented by different people. Um, And and those kind of arguments, I think, will carry some weight. Um, You know, all of us are a little skeptical of whether or not the United States Supreme Court will uh, necessarily stand up for such things, but I, I, I tend to be optimistic about that. I think the chances are not zero, if that helps. Well, you know, I got I have some friends in Montgomery. Uh, the lady uh, and and her neighbor they email me all the time, uh, for even from back in my advertiser days. And uh, they they are now under these lines. They're going to be represented by different people uh, yeah. in in Congress. <laughs> you know, one one's going to be represented by Barry Moore. One's going to be represented by Terry Sewell. And that to me is absurd. Uh, yeah. You know, I, and I know. Listen, I know that the lines are that way uh, for for a while now. Uh, even even back in into the what two thousands, but um, you, you look at it now. There's no reason for that line to be over in Montgomery like that, and and it, and it only does one thing, and it takes that portion of West Montgomery out of Barry Moore's uh, district, so he can continue to get elected, and we can continue to have. Well, what does that give us? What what's what's the percentage of one out of seven? I don't know what it is, but it's certainly not uh, the the percentage of of black voters or Democratic voters that voted. No, that's absolutely correct. And, you know, the, the upshot of that is Barry Moore doesn't have to care about people in West Montgomery because um, yeah. because they're not in his district intentionally. Um, mm-hmm. So he can take, you know, as as far right positions as he does um, without any fear of voters ho- holding him accountable because the voters that would hold him accountable have been sliced out and put in Terry Sewell's district. Yeah, that's that's a that's a terrible way to do things uh, to to essentially you know uh, make it to where this guy doesn't have to listen to anybody uh, you know and it and is going to be safe as a baby and he was trying to carve out more you know he was trying to carve out oh, another yeah. thousand or so people in in a Scambia county it's just it's just crazy to me the way that you look at those those little fingers drifting up into different counties and stuff and and to think that that people think that that's okay I, I don't. There, there has to be a better way to do this. And, and I, well, I mean, we all know that there's a better way to do this and, and some other states are trying it, uh, you know, and, and removing the politics from it. And I don't understand how that's not in, in everybody's favor. I don't understand why the, the voting public is not up in arms about that. Well, I agree with you. They ought to be. And they ought to recognize that. I mean, it goes it goes both ways. Ter- Terry Sewell doesn't necessarily have to worry about voters in Barry Moore's district. Um, right. And, and it lets her take more extreme positions. Um, I mean, I, frankly, I think Terry's a moderate, but, but yes. that's, <laughs> but that's yeah. a different, that's a different discussion, but it, it absolutely puts voters in a situation where 
they, the only way that their elected officials can get challenged is from the farther right or the farther, further left. And mm-hmm. and that that is not good for anybody. No, no. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen it now. Um, uh, and I'll get you out of here. I know, I know you got, you've got, to, you've got to go, we've got t- big TV things to do. And, uh, but it, 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 we, we see it now, uh, you know, in our state legislature where, uh, Republicans are being forced against their will, basically to, to put forth these anti-mandate bills, sure. uh, that they don't want to do, that the business council of Alabama has, has voiced opposition to, uh, that every business owner that they know basically has voiced opposition to. And so they're, they're trying like hell to run from them, but they can't do it. And so they're going to have to put some of these things out there to appease their, their base of people, which leaves you with a very small minority of people. Uh, dictating essentially what goes on in state government at the highest levels. It, it, that is exactly correct. I mean, I, I think that's a perfect example of where, I mean, I, I talked to somebody the other day who's, I, I call him the most Republican person I've ever met. I mean, he is, but he's an establishment Republican. He's a business council Republican. He's frankly what the Republican Party used to be. And he was just absolutely lamenting the fact that how did the Republican Party in Alabama get to a point where they're going to tell employers what they can and can't do and who they can and cannot fire? And, yeah. you know, it, it I said, well, it's because uh, your party, at least at this stage and and to a lesser degree, my party, frankly, is 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 ruled from the fringe. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're you're right uh, on, on all of that. And, and it's um, yeah, I, I will say it's nice to see the death of the at will work state uh, at play yeah. right before our yes. eyes. Uh, yeah. so well, uh, I was and, and another that Republicans that killed it. Stephen exactly. Sweden. Exactly. Yeah. I think if that's their legacy, maybe then we can we can do a small round of applause. <laughs> All right. Uh, Barry Ragsdale, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's this has been, I think, a very enlightening discussion because normally people on the podcast, they just hear me, you know, kind of guess about legal things. And so to have somebody that actually knows what the hell they're talking about is always nice. Well, I appreciate it, Josh. I appreciate the opportunity. Call me back anytime. Yes, sir. Thank you. That is, uh, that is Barry Ragsdale, uh, attorney. He's, uh, he's worked. He knows his stuff, and uh, you've seen him around. We're going to slide out of here. We'll be right back in just a minute. Alabama Politics This Week. Hi, this is David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, Josh and I have a lot of fun doing this podcast, and we also try to keep it very informational with newsmaker interviews, and, and we try to do our research, too, before we get on here and pontificate. I hope that you find the podcast informative and entertaining. So if you do, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to rate us, subscribe to us, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is you're using to listen to us. Please do that. That will help us to move up in the rankings and also to uh, get more people to tune in. So if you're a fan of Alabama politics this week, I hope you'll do that for us. Thanks. Alrighty, welcome back. Uh, really appreciate Barry uh, Ragsdale coming on and uh, joining us. And like three times, three times, don't tell Barry this, but like three times I almost caught him Barry Moore. <laughs> so, <laughs> which uh, which is fine because uh, Barry insulted me like three times before we even went on the air. So, we, we, and so I think he would understand. We get we have that sort of relationship, but uh, I mean his was much more hurtful. They were about my looks. So, um, 
All right, we have, we're going to wrap this up fairly quickly here. We do have a question, and because I've told people uh, for a while, we will answer your questions if you want to engage with us. Uh, APW, uh, producer at gmail.com is the email where you can send your questions in or suggestions or what what have you. Corrections, if you have something that you'd like to correct from the show that I've said stupidly or that David has said uh, has said that was incorrect, uh, just let us know. We'll uh, we'll try to correct whatever we can. So send those to us. And uh, otherwise, uh, you know, send us questions and we're happy to answer them. Don Brown sent one, wanted to know essentially what home rule is and, and what the uh, I guess what the state of it is in, in this state. Uh, and it's pretty poor. And that's basically the gives counties and cities uh, the authority to pass their own laws and rules based on their needs. Uh, in Alabama, we don't have much of that. We, we have to send essentially everything through uh, Montgomery. Uh, you know, you'll see the, the delegations there, the county delegations have to go in. Uh, when, uh, I'll give you a perfect example of, of how petty it can be. Uh, in Montgomery a few years ago, they wanted to put up red light cameras. Uh, and then later they wanted to take red light cameras down. Uh, but before the city could do that, it had to go through the delegation there. And this is also a good example of how uh, the splitting up of counties and, and the splitting up of cities uh, to do the gerrymandering really affects things like that uh, because what was ultimately holding up that was a representative who did not live in Montgomery, but who had, was able to vote because his district stretched into Montgomery was holding the whole thing up. Um, and it's not just holding it up. You can do so much damage because what typically happens in, in those issues with county and city issues is the delegations from the county will decide these things and they'll have, they'll vote on them and pass them. And typically lawmakers stay out of each other's way on those things. So, uh, a delegation, a, a representative from Mobile is not going to have a say in what happens in Huntsville. Uh, they're not going to go. The Madison County uh, delegation is going to make uh, is going to make a decision on those things, and then the, those other people will stay out of the way unless it gets to be somewhat political. Uh, and in those cases, uh, they'll they'll come in and, and do some things. You know, we had that case with the Montgomery school tax uh, last year, uh, where it was held up by Mike Jones for a while, who lives in down Andalusia. Uh, you know, and so that's the sort of thing that that's the sort of problems that home rule uh, or the lack of causes that uh, it also happened in Birmingham with the uh, with the minimum wage uh, raises. Um, and it was Mountain Brook people, uh, you know, that, that basically caused the problems. And it's a, you know, uh, it, it it's allowing people to set their own laws and their own rules for with what works best for them. Um, you know, they're trying, they've tried desperately to take the power away from, uh, uh the, the guy that, that was putting out the, all, all of the mandates, uh, the public health officer in, in Jefferson County. Uh, you know, they've tried desperately to take the power away from him. Um, and, and so that when you have that centralized control that we have in this state, it's for one reason, really, uh, that, that we have it in this state and that's racism. Uh, you know, they wanted to they want the they want to be able to control the majority black cities and counties. And, you know, 
you hate to you hate to boil it down to, to just racism, but that's essentially what led to this. Um, and so, you know, because they they feel like they know better than them on every single issue. Uh, when in fact, I think if we look back at it, many of those cities and counties are are better run uh, with better policies. Um, and especially if you look at the pandemic and what took place in in some of the larger cities, it was a hell of a lot better run and a better and uh, and better controlled. And I think people would tell you that they were much happier with the outcomes in those cities. Uh, like, for example, Montgomery with with uh, Stephen Reed and what they did there. Um, you know, he, he's been a hell of a mayor. Uh, matter of fact, he made some people mad uh, this week uh, with with some comments. But, um, you know, there were things that needed to be said about the, the bail system and, and how they were letting murderers out basically, or accused murderers out back out on the streets and, uh, and having to rearrest them for another murder. Um, and it's a, uh, it is a problem. And those sorts of things, uh, are what, you know, that, that kind of control of a city and a county, uh, by the mayors, by the county commissions, by the city councils, those things are very important to the local cities that you can get things done there and you don't have other people looking over your shoulder constantly dictating what you can do uh, in terms of, uh, you know, setting school tax money. Uh, you know, they shouldn't be deciding in, in the state legislature what the property tax rates are in Montgomery County. Uh, for for schools, it just shouldn't be that way. And so, anyways, long answer to a, to a very short question, but a very good question. And if uh, again, if you want to get one in, just apwproducer at gmail dot com will get you a question in here, and and we'll do our best to answer the thing uh, and see you know see if we can give you some information anyway. If not, you know, at at worst, maybe we'll look it up, or we'll be wrong and you can send us a correction. So you know. All right, let's wrap this up. I'm going to wrap it up with a with a right wing note of the week, and the right wing note of the week are the uh, Republicans in the state legislature who have uh, pushed uh, these anti-vaccine mandate bills uh, that are essentially trying to take power away from companies to uh, hire and fire who they want to hire and fire. Um, and because companies in this state and around the country, uh, businesses, want, they want to be able to force their employees to get a, uh, to get the vaccine because they know, like we all should know, that getting the vaccine is our pathway to normalcy. And business owners like normalcy. Uh, they like to be able to rely on their employees coming to work. They like to be able to, to say that this is going to be... Um, uh, you know that that they're going they don't they're not going to infect customers uh they also like for their uh, for their folks not to die uh and which is uh, you know not a bad thing but right now they are they're passing these uh these laws uh in in our legislature that basically provides a religious exemption uh without question uh for anybody who doesn't want to get the vaccine and i'll tell you you know, they, they, a lot of uh, conservatives talk about slippery slopes. And uh, normally that's reserved for things about, you know, to talks about gun control. Uh, but uh, I, I think you're, you're on a pretty slippery slope uh, with this because I think you're going to open the door to a lot of issues uh, for a lot of businesses over the next few years. Uh, and you're going to have to go back in and fix this. Uh, and it's, you know, uh, but listen. If it kills the at will work state in this uh, uh, in this state, then by God, pass them on. But those are our right wing nuts. So we're gonna. But uh, with that, I guess that's it for me. 
um, we're gonna we're gonna slide out of here. Uh, so uh, I hope this has not been uh, painful uh, without David. And and we just listen. Just send David a message and, and let him know how much you missed him. Uh, because otherwise, you may hear me doing this more. So, all right, we're gonna slide out. Uh, until next week, y'all be safe out there.